I you tired, Coop? <laughs> Zach, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Really? That was a yawn. What a what a unsuspecting you, way to enter enter to this intro. <laughs> I know. For those of you that are listening and you're like, what was that weird noise? It's a yawn. Cooper yawn. And I have a hot take for you, Zach. Okay. Possibly the hottest of takes. Yeah. And this is I'm just gonna come out and say it. A yawn does not always mean I'm disinterested. Mm. There are times where I need to yawn. Yeah. And the situation I'm in would be highly inappropriate <laughs> if I were to yawn. Yeah. And it just if I'm talking to someone and they yawn, I feel like I need to now step up. Yeah, you're like, game. okay, ramp it, ramp it up. Like, let's pull out the good jokes. Right. You, know? <laughs> yeah, like you, you don't want to leave them on the on the back burner. So, Cooper, when you enter this situation where you feel a yawn coming, what do you have any techniques? Yeah, any tactics? I um, it's funny because I'm already feel <laughs> as we're talking, I feel I like I yawn. feel a yawn coming on. <laughs> so that's funny, but I. Uh, I basically like try and lock my jaw mm-hmm. and like with my teeth separated yeah. and try and like instead of just like a ah, just like a shh, like try and sh- sh- like silently shoot the yawn out of my teeth. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I don't make noise when I do it. Yeah. But. Well, it's like uh, is it Captain America Civil War where Captain America is like holding between the helicopter? Yeah, and yeah. The, I don't know which movie, but I mean his bicep is yeah. the size of the earth in that, <laughs> in that clip. But that's. Like it feels like he's holding both of my teeth together. Yes, my like jaws. he's he's like, and it's just like holding it yeah. together. Where the airways are yeah. just like just so overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, there's just unfortunate situations where socially a yawn. People always think that it means you're bored. Right. Like I remember in seventh grade, it's just so random that I remember. This. <laughs> in seventh grade, I had a class called robotics and gaming it was actually really cool. We learned bet, how to, yeah. we learned how to make a video game. I literally made my own brick breaker. Like I coded it. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And we also did like robot pro- programming type stuff, like yeah. the Lego whatever robots. But my uh, – he was like 90. I mean he had hair coming out of his ears, you know, like that old. See, I've – I don't understand that. My teacher, yeah. It's Being, like you need and someone. I had a management information systems, a whole class about technology, and the guy was probably that same age. And he was – I mean he was like five foot three. Yeah, it's like how does that happen? They shrink. Don't, if I ever start shrinking, Zach, let me know. I need to do some stretches. <laughs> but anyways, I'm talking hair, hairy ears old. It's just that's yeah. a different level yeah. of old. And he – I remember him being at the front and a kid yawning in his class and he sent them to the principal. You're kidding. He's like basically like if you're not paying attention, get out. Like, oh. And the kid's like, dude, I, so, but I'm a seventh sets, grader. That sets a precedent. Right. And so then now every other kid is trying to hold their yawns. Right. They're doing the lockjaw move, <laughs> the lockjaw maneuver. Oh. Do you ever – do you think there's ever a place to cover it with a fist? Absolutely. Because – but is that suspect? But here's – that's that's in a group setting. Oh, I see. If you're in a one-on-one and you go for the, the cover – It's over. You're screwed. You better – this is what I <laughs> – this is what I do. I do the fake back pop where I kind of oh. like turn turn away. I don't want to turn away from the microphone. But I like yeah. turn away, pop my back, and like try and do a little stretch action if yeah. I need to prolong – so that they don't see that I am dying for some oxygen in my brain. Yeah, I feel like oh, in my years, I've kind of built my jaw. Right, oh, that was a real yawn. Yawned. I just yawned. I just yawned. I've kind of built my muscles. I mean, you have a great jawline. <laughs> no, that is your best feature. It is, and I it, don't know why you covered up with a beard. I know, guys. Your beard just, looks you know, good, but your jawline. Zach's best feature are his eyeballs. <laughs> They're simply beautiful. Uh, I mean, we'll say it. Yeah, and mine is my right. jawline, and I choose to Thank cover you. mine with a beard. It's humility. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <you're> <laughs> I've been working on my jaw, and so I feel like I can control it. So I do the double back pop. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I spin to one side, kind of try and let half of it out. I totally agree. And then hold it 
get yeah, because to the once other you like side. once you get the, in, the like initial release, you 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 re upped for another kind of wave of holding it back. Right, but then you you get the rest of it out, and you have to come back, center yourself, but make sure your head is down and your mm. eyes are not watering. That's right. That's the key. Is <laughs> because if you come up crying, they're gonna. That's be like, a whole other problem. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> um, hey, like. I'm sorry, man. I was just telling you what I ordered <laughs> yeah. at Chipotle the other day. Right. And man, like, what if we were sponsored by Chipotle and that's how we put it in? Yeah. We're not sponsored, I but wish. like that, that's just, if you want to sponsor us, that's the little flavor of how that's we, what, that's how we would hype that's you up. That's how we could hype you up. Anyways, <laughs> keep going. Yawns. And I also feel like you can just tell we're a little tired. We're tired right now. <laughs> and that's okay. We had a big weekend. Yeah. And did. yawning is something that comes to mind often. Right. And I, we're going to be at Super Bowl party tonight, and I just don't want to be talking to someone, and I yawn, and then them be insecure about their own and like enthusiasm, yeah, and energy. And, and it's you not guys, you. you guys are going to be listening to this right after a Super Bowl party. You oh, probably yeah. stayed up a little later than you're used to. You so probably really, watched Tom Brady win again. Well, oh, that's your prediction. I guess you can go I on. I thought record. it was yours too. Okay, I mean, I, I, I'll go I, against I, you. The hard thing is, I am a Missouri boy, you so are. I have to kind of pull for the Chiefs, but I'm also, I'm a Tom Brady. Fan. Right, I'm a Cowboys fan through through Me too. almost as much as I love. Well, I, I love the. Cowboys most second Buffalo Bills. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I started going for the Bills like three years, four years ago oh, when so they annoying. lost their first game like seven to sixty three or something yeah, insane. Bad. I was like, I'm a Bills fan, <laughs> and now here they are. Anyway, to- tomorrow or I guess today. Yeah, today when you're listening to it, tomorrow for us. We yeah. did this last minute <laughs> once again. Once again, here we are. But you might be pulling to work. If you on, or on Zoom, who knows? I mean, that's you that can just, is hard too. You can just kind of mute. What if you freeze frame with the yawn? <laughs> That'd <laughs> that, be bad. That is tough. But just know that we kind of want to set a precedent that yawns aren't bad. Yawns don't mean you're boring. It's not you. It's me. <sighs> Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, the yawning Cooper McCullough. The sleep-deprived man himself, <laughs> me. He is a little sleep-deprived, worked a lot the past few days. I'm on that grind, folks. <laughs> as they say, you are attaining the grain. I'm attaining the grain, because Zach, you're, you're rich. rich. <laughs> Zach, you're rich. You are rich. And I want to be That's like you true. when I grow up. Zach has so much money. Speaking of rich, Cooper, oh. I think you mean Ritz. Ritz Carlton. That's right. We have the one and only Horst Schultze on the podcast. I mean, you today. should insert a round of applause sound effect right now. I think I should, and I probably will, because Cooper, if there's a guy that we didn't know personally, I guess before now, yeah, that has professionally influenced us more than him, hands down, it's him. Hands down. Yeah. And it's through speaking engagements he's done. Podcast he's done and the book the he wrote. Book, Zach. The book that, he wrote. That book revolutionized our idea on reading. We were like, yeah. oh, there's there's so much that we should be reading. Reading and work ethic and excellence. Excellence specifically. If you are a business leader or you work on a team or you work in a job where you are in interacting with other people, you have to read this book. It is incredible. It's called Excellence Wins by Horst Schultze. It's a just I mean the subtitle is more of a no nonsense guide to being a best in a world of compromise yep. and it that's what it is. It is a no nonsense guide and every page you get something out of it on how to be excellent. And here's my one of my favorite quote from the interview yeah. is he says excellence is never an accident. Yeah. It is always the product of high intent and hard work. 
Absolutely. If you have a high goal, you have a high mission, and you work hard to get there, you will achieve excellence. Yeah. And we don't go to work just to work. We go to create excellence. That is his mantra. And he does a great job. I was going to say, his track Keep record going. is impeccable. I mean, he is the founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Amazing. Those hotels that Zach and I look at, I'm like, man, <laughs> I wonder what it would be like to stay in one of those. No, not the Ritz Crackers. Our right. favorite crackers. The <laughs> right, Ritz right. Hotel. Also, that could be a sponsor hey, opportunity. look at that. <laughs> the Ritz Carlton Hotels, the global hotel chain. I mean, the greatest hotel chain in the world they at a time. They are world famous for their, their quality and excellence. their customer service and their excellence yeah. because it starts at the top. That's right. And if he is an excellent man. you have a leader who is excellent, it trickles down. And, I mean, there's no one better. No. And and he, he sold the Ritz yep. and then he started another hotel chain. Sold it. <laughs> And then from there, he now does consulting. Yeah. And uh, he's just excellent in everything he, he does. Like, that's literally the word that would – I mean, he wrote a book called Excellence Ways. He's a walking piece of excellence. He is. He just is. Just a slice of excellence just pie. A slice. You've heard of humble pie? <laughs> he's probably that too, but he's also just a slice of excellence pie. He is. He's also just a genuine man who really came from just a small German village yeah. into hard – I mean, hard work. He had a goal of revolutionizing the the – the hotel industry, and he worked hard to do it, and he, now he's one of the best and one of the, the most excellent men we know. Yeah. Now we can say we know. Right. And, and I was even going to say he he loves and is passionate about the next generation yeah. of leaders. Oh, totally. Like even once we turned the mic off, he was like, so who's the audience? Like talking, right. asking these questions, and he talked for us for another like 10, 15 yeah. minutes he's just so encouraging genuine. us and, and saying how important it is that us as the next generation – are learning from the leaders that have gone before us. Yeah, and this has really been a goal for us to have him on because he has meant so much to us because he's taught us so much just through his work and through what he's done. So I'm just going to give it to him. I mean, it's, we've talked long enough, Zach. Let's send it over to Let's Mr. Horst Schultze. Well, Mr. Schultze, you're a man who needs not many introductions, but we're going we're gonna to give it to the people anyway to let them know who you are. I want you to start by kind of introducing yourself and telling your story of how you got into the hotel business at such an early age. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a story I tell also in my book. I tell kind of because it, it, it's the time the, my formation happens as to who I am today because all of us, we, we are, there's a formation time in your life, and be, if you're lucky, you run into the right people during that time, etc. But, but to tell my story, I actually grew up in a small village in Germany, right after the war years, mind you. And uh, I want to emphasize there was no hotel and no restaurant in the village. I never had been in a hotel, but for some reason, I went to my parents when I was 11, and I said, I would like to work in a hotel business now. They said, okay, I mean, that didn't mean anything with 11 years old. And, but let me make it clear. At that time in Germany, you had honor if you went into a functional job. If, if you would be a butcher, you are, you're honorable or a roofer or a carpenter. But of course, very special would have been engineer. That You are somebody, but hotel business that was menial that was nothing and besides that i didn't know hotel but i insisted i kept on insisting on it pretty soon my parents realized that i was very serious and was very deep in me uh, my, my grandfather was embarrassed about it but i kept on talking about it and then finally my parents looked into how can i start a career in hotel business they found a busboy job by that time i was 14 a mm. hundred kilometers away from my village at that time, that was far. Uh, 
and uh, took me there and I started working. And But in the meantime, why, why that hotel? Because it was the very best in the region. Mm. And they were advised to make sure I start in a very good hotel. The first day I came there, oh, but, but before I came there, my parents said, no, that's a hotel where we could never go. This is only for very fine ladies and gentlemen. We could never go there. And when my mother took me there, now behave yourself accordingly. Wash your socks, take showers, wash under there, all this stuff. Right. Mother can tell you. When we got there, the channel manager told us, told me right away, this is for very fine ladies and gentlemen. You are here to serve you. We are here servants. Um, don't get envious of them and so on. Mm. But the next day I met the maitre d', my big boss at the time. And he said something which changed my life. <clears throat> he said, now tomorrow show up at seven o'clock in the morning, but don't come to work. Come here to be excellent in what you're doing. Mm. Now, mind you, 14 years old, I went over my head. But I got there, he was a man of excellence. Mm. After a while, I could see what he meant with excellence. He never gave up talking about excellence. So uh, to finish that story though, because, which was instrumental and all connected, two years later, once a week, typical German upbringing in a business, I went to hotel school where all the kids from the area came and so on. After two years, the teacher asked us to write an SA, what we now think about the hotel business. Going back to work, I, that evening I saw the maitre d' who was just a man of excellence. He kept on saying, do it with excellence. I saw him approach a table and I realized, I've seen it before, but I never realized, the guest on that table was proud that he came to them. Mm. Wait a minute, that's a reversal. We are the servants and they're important. And that night when I wrote my essay, I wrote about him and I called that essay, we are ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. That means I saw for the first time that I can define my, he was defining himself. That's why they were, proud that he came to them because he defined himself as a gentleman, mm. as a professional. Right. And I realized I can do that even though everybody in my village laughed when I left to work in a hotel business. Mm. I am the one who is in charge of defining myself. Uh, huge changes in, 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 in one's life when he recognized that. I was 16 and I wrote about it and it lived with me ever after. It kind of directed me through my life. Yeah. And obviously we know the end of the story where you ended up leaving that job. And kind of kind of tell that. How did you get to Ritz Carlton? How did you get to Capella? What's the end of the story? Well, well from there, from there I worked in the finest hotels in Europe, truly. Mm -hmm. uh, came done came to the US. I worked in in, in the Switzerland, Holder Mergeline in, in France, in Paris, plus Ardenne in, in London, Savoy and so on. And then I came for a year or two to America worked in the Hilton in, in San Francisco, key moment also in my life as a room service waiter. And I thought I'm gonna go back in two years and finish my career in Europe. And, but before I go back, I want to have a promotion to room service supervisor. Mm. I knew I would get that job because I was by far the best waiter there. I knew what the art 
I knew what food is, I know what beverage is. The other guys just knew how to deliver food. Mm. And so I knew I would get the next promotion. And besides that, the manager of room service was German. So I knew I had an in there. You know? There you go. There you so, go. And, and sure enough, a few months later, the job became available. That was my job, my new. Mm. But somebody else got promoted. A major setback, ego, problem, depression, half depression, uh, declaring management stupid. That's what we do, you know. Right. It took me several months to admit the other guy deserved it more. Mm. Be with me here. That is so important to understand. Yeah. I, I slowly recognized, wait a minute. I was very young, mind you. I celebrated, I partied a lot in the night. <laughs> when I came to work in the morning, sometimes I wasn't only tired. You could see it from 100 yards that I was tired. Mm. And then I was five minutes late. Big deal, only five minutes. But the other guy never did that. Right. He was in time. He smiled in the morning. He wasn't miserable. And when the manager said, come on, let's do some side jobs here, folding napkins or whatever, I said, why me? No, why not the other guys? And this guy never did it. Mm. I started to recognize that's when I went to my little furnished room in the Tenderloin District in San Francisco. Bad district at the time already. Right. And I talked to my major D. Mind you, he had passed away. But I, and he didn't show up there. Don't, don't think there was some ghost there. No. But I talked to him. I said, I'm sorry. You, I promised you I would go to work for excellence. Mm. I went to work for work. Mm. And I promise you it will never, ever happen again. I will manage myself so that I go to work for excellence every day. And I wrote on my mirror, go to work for excellence. And from there on, I went to work for excellence. Mm. I got my, my promotion and I followed a career unlike anybody in the hotel business from there on. Yeah. Uh, to, to founding Ritz Carlton or Capella Hotels and creating recognized. Is, uh, I mean, I was running uh, Ritz Carlton, which I was part of founding as the best hotel company in the world. Founded Capella, which only a few weeks ago, best hotel in the world, which I sold the company. Mm. So it took off from there because, I, but I never forgot. forgot. Yeah. Don't go to work for, for work. Go to work for excellence. I think that's so important to remember. And as we were talking moments before we hit record is that this podcast is has an audience that are young adults and they're in their 20s and they might be in that their version of the bellboy job or that entry level job where they feel like they're just going to work to, to punch a punch in and clock out and do what they're supposed to do. And they're not going there for excellence. So what would you tell to that 20 something? go to work for excellence. What would you tell that person to pers persist and see to the end? Don't sentence yourself to anything less. Understand what excellence is. People don't even know what excellence means. Excellence simply means excellence. Let me, under make, please hear me. Mm -hmm. Let me make very clear. Excellence is never an accident. It's always the result of high intent. Mm -hmm. What is your high, high underline intent about your work, about your life. What is the high intent? And then, of course, after you have that high intent, that's your vision in life. Your vision about your work today, high intent. Mm. And of course, 
excellence always to resolve high intent and hard work. Yeah. Simple as that. And, and don't think it's accident, it's an accident, it never is. It's always to resolve high intent and hard work. That's right. If you analyze that and live according to that, then you have to manage yourself. You have to remind yourself because we all forget it. We all fall into the trap of the world and the stuff around us. Mm. Don't be in charge. Make the decision for excellence. And you, you mentioned earlier about the essay that you wrote where kind of the mantra was, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And that's something that you, you pulled from that first boss you had to show up to work, to be excellent. And, and you, that kind of led into what you did at Ritz Carlton and kind of what you did at all of these hotels and all of these hotels that are, are world renowned and recognized for their excellence and for their service. And you ended up writing a book, Excellence Wins, a no-nonsense guide to becoming the best in a world of compromise, which has changed me and Cooper's life. Uh, when we look at the way we lead and the way we do business, but kind of unpack the idea of we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. How does that influence the way you work? Well, I, I, I realized that evening in the, the most important realization that is the first time it happened, I realized that I am defining myself. That is it. That if I define myself, want to define myself as a gentleman too, ladies and gentlemen, which I was pumped into my mind, that's what they are, not we. Wait a minute, I can define myself. Or I can define myself as secondary, as nothing. If I'm creating excellence, what I'm doing, I'm defining myself as somebody special. As I can define myself exactly as to what I want to define myself as. It's not up to the society. We like to blame everybody else, the, the, the president or the, or the mayor or anybody around us, it's not up to them. Mm. It's up to us. Once I accepted that in myself, it became pretty easy. Oh, as I said, I worked in the greatest hotel in Europe afterwards and so on. I forgot about it. I, I fell into the trap of just doing a job, as I say. But then I got the, the tough reminder that I, it's up to me who I am in the future. And, and when I didn't get that job, that was a tough reminder that I left it up to somebody else. Mm. I didn't take over. I didn't define myself. It was a tough reminder. And then I had to manage. Again, I had to manage myself. It isn't there every day. I have to remind myself every day, do not go to work. Go to work for excellence. I wrote it down. I reminded myself constantly that I am in charge of my surrounding. It's not others. And you know why, what we do? We blame the world. You know why? Why? Oh, this is why we don't have to look in the mirror. That's our insecurities. Mm. Instead of take, taking hold of ourselves, of make a decision about myself. Mm. Everything. Guys, everything in life is a decision. Everything is a decision. I, I, I gave earlier, I was talking once in a while, give that as an example because it's silly, but here it is. I made a decision when I got married to be in love my whole life. I'm 42 years married, but I'm still in love. I don't only love my wife. My friends get divorced because they don't feel it anymore. Feel? Wait a minute. I wait for feelings? No. I make the decision about my feelings. That takes battles sometimes. That takes strong thinking. But make, you're in charge. And if you... If you take a secondary, make a secondary decision, 
you're sentencing yourself. Hmm. Yeah, and I want to go into more how that mindset affects a way a an employee or somebody that works for you interacts with customers. How does how does that influence them, and how does it change the way that they uh, interact with people? Okay, uh, let me go back. Earlier, I said excellence is the result of high intent. Mm-hmm. What is the question first? Is what is your intent for your life? What do you see? Is it Whatever you see, who you are, what you are in 10 years from now, that should become the purpose of your life. <clears throat> now, in business, you ask employees, when I started Ritz-Carlton, as, as an example, I made a decision, high intent, to create the finest hotel company of, in the world. Now, mind you, I started there in that company when they had no hotels. Right. We had two buildings in construction. But my high intent was, bear with me here, to create the finest hotel company in the world. From there on, I hired people not to come to work, but to join me in a purpose. Once you set a high intent, that must be your purpose in life. Mm. So I hired people in purpose, but I made a decision as the leader said, okay, we won't be the finest. And I had to question myself, is this good for all concerned? Is this good for the investors? Is this good for society as a whole? Is this good for the customer? Is it good for the employees? Mm. Once the decision was made, yes, this is good for all concerned. I knew what I had to do. I could not compromise anymore. I had to make sure I don't compromise, I will lead everybody to that point because it was important and good for all concerned. And But I explained everybody when as I selected them, hiring, as they start the first day of work, I explained, here is, don't come to work, come to accomplish this mission of being the very best. Mm. That doesn't mean you don't have to work. In fact, that means you may have to work harder. Right. We are working not anymore for work itself. We work for a purpose. And the purpose that we have, here is how it's good for you. I explained that if we are the best in the world, you you are defined as somebody special. You will have more opportunity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I connected everybody to the objective of the company, the motive of the company, and their own motives. Hmm. Yeah, and I think in the business world, the the words mission statement and and vision statement get kind of thrown around a lot. And you talk a lot about high intent, and I love the way you put it. Is that I didn't come to this company just to build another hotel. We we came here to build world class, the best hotels. So, what is the difference between mission and vision statements? And then, how do you implement those into your company? It's fascinating that you asked that because I'm absolutely amazed. As I'm, I, I consult now, by the way. I, I'm involved with a little consultant company. We consult with companies and look at many, many companies. And we find nearly every company, their vision statement is really not a vision statement, it's a mission statement. Hmm. Vision statement is the vision that you have. It's a destination far away. Something that you don't say I can do, but I wish to accomplish. I wish to be there. I wish to accomplish this for myself or from a company, depending where you create a vision for. 
That's a vision. A mission is what you do today to get there. For instance, we see vision statement. We are we deliver the finest healthcare to our employees, our customers, our patients. That will well. That's what you do. That's a mission. Mm. Where will it take you? And wherever it takes you should be a desirable, beautiful place in the future. Mm. Good for everybody connected. Very important. Right. Right. So now you have a vision that is purpose in life. Now, how, how important is that? Look, let's understand. Even Aristotle, 3,000 years ago, said people need vision and belonging. Mm. So I create a vision. Everybody can join and belong to that vision, be part of the company, and not just work for the company. I don't hire people to just come to fulfill a function of work. That's a problem with most companies. In the hotel business, we hire people to clean rooms, to cook food, to check people in. Well, wait a minute, those are functions. And the chair on which you're sitting is fulfilling a function. I'm hiring human beings to join me in a purpose, mm -hmm. which is of value to them. Right. How do you, and, and talk about the importance, you have your mission, you have your vision statement, you know what the destination is, you know what you need to do to get there. What is the importance of reinforcing those to your, your employees every single day? Well, it's, it's very simple. Otherwise, we get sucked in to the function or, or, and, and the, the tactics of the day. We have to constantly be reminded, the only reason we fulfill this function is really to get to that vision. So, so it is a higher calling. We, we have to clean the room, but we're not cleaning the room because we want to clean. We're cleaning it in order to be seen as the best in the world. Mm. In that moment, we also do it a little better, don't we? Right. In this moment, we do it for purpose rather than for function. We, look, we're not chairs. The chairs is fulfilling a function. Your microphone is fulfilling a function. We're human beings. And, and if we're truly human beings, what we do is for something higher. Mm. We cannot sentence ourselves to just be a chair. Right. And, and I, as a leader, have to help you to remind you of that, that it is something higher we are, we are achieving. And I'll show you that if we achieve it, how we will all benefit from it. And that's when it, where it goes back to your ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. You're not just a chair. You're not just a function. And, yeah. and one of my favorite parts, and I think Cooper would agree as well, of the book is the meetings that you would have. And you have, I, I'm trying to remember how many points that you would go through one each day to reinforce. Can you kind of explain and break those meetings down and how they worked? Yeah, well, in, in, let, me, let me say for the start and beginning, when we, when, we, when we create the hotel company, first of all, we, we don't just hire, we select. Mm. We select employees, we, we identify for each shop category, what is the talent that is needed here? And then the, the, determine how to find out if a person has that talent. So we selected. The next thing we did was orient them. Key element, rather than just when you, normally when you come to work and some of you have, are working, what happened the first day? The boss mates, makes the stupid team speech. We're a team here, we're blah, blah, blah. What? <laughs> What's a team? A team is a group of people who have a common objective, vision, high intent. What is, they, they don't say it. 
A team is a group of people who have a common objective and help each other toward that objective. That's not discussed. But the first day you come in and you say, you fill up papers, and then the boss says, work with Bill over here. He knows the ropes. Even though you're not in the rope business, you somehow, Bill knows ropes. The ropes. Turn you over to somebody else. Yeah, but you know, that means you're just functioning. Mm-hmm. I want to, want to let you know, here's who we are. That's what we do the first day. The second day, we teach every employee the 20 things that we know. If we do those 20 things superior to the competition, we will be the best in the world. Mm-hmm. That's it. So we identify those 20 things based on what, the, what is needed in an hotel, based on what the customers say. Mm-hmm. So we teach you the second day. Very important points. These 20 things, we call them non-negotiable. Wherever we are, if we're in Japan or in Germany or in Egypt, those 20 things must happen. And so we teach them the second day. From there on, we repeat one of those points every day. So today it may be point number 11. If you get a complaint, no matter who you are, if you're the bus boy, for example, and the guest complains about his TV, you own it. You say, I am sorry, forgive me that your TV didn't work. Mm. We teach you that today. And then in 20 days, we teach you that again. Mm. Tomorrow is point number 12. If a guest asks for direction, don't point. Take him there. And here's how what you said while you take him there and so on. So every day we teach, reteach one of those points. Now, after a while, I noticed the hotels didn't do that anymore. When I asked management, why? Well, everybody knows it. It's not good enough. It should be front of mind all the time. So I asked all managers, okay. Since everybody knows that, let me ask you something, general managers. Does everybody here know what Coca-Cola is? Yeah. Well, then why do they still spend billions advertising? Because they know that you know what Coca-Cola is. But they also know you have to keep it front of mind. Mm. What is important, you keep front of mind. And we have to keep that in front of mind because that will make us the best in the world, which is good for all concerned. Mm. Coming back every time to go to Paul concerned. It always comes back to the high intent that you put in front of the company. And uh, you mentioned in the book, one of the quotes you said is a a one-time orientation speech is not enough. It has to be continually reinforced and reestablished of saying this is our high intent. And that goes into empowering, empowering your customer or your employees. So, and and I want to mention something you said in there. If someone, if something happened to a customer and they told the bus boy, you said, they are supposed to say, I'm sorry, they yeah. own it. Where did that idea come from? And, and I think that's important. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we made a study and we know that 96 plus percent, 96 point some percent of people that complain, all they want to do is get rid of the frustration. Hmm. But if you don't accept it, if you, if you say, but uh, no, if the passport says in the morning to the guest, uh, oh, good morning, I hope you had a nice day with us. And the guest said, no, I didn't because I wanted to see a uh, football game and I couldn't because TV didn't change. Mm. If the busman says, well, I'm, oh, okay, I will tell them and that's too bad. But if the busboy says, please forgive me, somebody accepted the 
accepted the issue. Somebody took it away from me. I have given, I'm rid of it now. But if the passport doesn't say that, I still have it. I get even more frustrated because if I say it's not my, it's not my business, yeah, I'm not rid of it. But if the passport says, oh, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. In that moment, the complainer usually is even embarrassed that they complained. Mm-hmm. And, so, and there's also something you give each employee $2,000 of kind of leeway to, to kind of bless or kind of reconcile if a, if a customer had an issue. How does that work? Well. Yeah, <laughs> when I started that, that was like a nuclear bomb went off in the company. <laughs> Everybody said, are you crazy? Everybody can give away $2,000. That was not the intent. Mm-hmm. You see, there are three, we have to understand there are three types of customer. There is a dissatisfied customer. A dissatisfied customer becomes a terrorist against your company and against you. They go, go away and talk bad about you in, on, on social media or whatever. It's a dangerous thing. And then there is the satisfied customer who's not yours. They're satisfied, but they go next door if they think there's a better deal. And then there is the loyal customer. Why are they loyal to you? Because they trust you. Mm. That's why they, tr- they trust you. Now, if I have a complaint, how do I move this potential terrorist to become an ambassador, a loyal customer? by saying, forgive me and taking care of them. Mm. That, then they become, I'm moving them to loyalty right there because they're amazed what we're doing. If so, we empower the employee that not only saying I'm sorry, but the bus boy can now say, I feel so bad about your TV. Allow me to buy your breakfast. Mm. Bang, that customer will be amazed. Can you imagine you do that? You're amazed. In that moment, you said, wow, what a company. And they become loyal. So that was the intent. I want a loyal customer. And I said, you can make it. I trust you, my employees. You're not just working here. You're part of this company. I trust you up to $2,000 to keep a customer. I want a statement. I want to make a statement to the employees that I trust. Now, of course, we taught them how to do this. We, we certified each employee with problem resolution. And I want to, at the same time, keep the customer, make a potential terrorist, make him a loyal customer. And that's so important, making loyalty. And it all starts with how you empower and how you reinforce the, the high intent and the high idea, the vision that you have for your company. And I think you've done that so well because there are many loyal Ritz-Carlton uh, people out there. And I, I, just a quick story for you, I will say, at the Ritz-Carlton here in Dallas, we found out that they have a, a guacamole hour every, every day at 6 p.m. that uh, a guy would wheel out guacamole and there's just free guac. And we went one afternoon to see if this was true. And it was after reading your book and we went and we realized that there were people flocking to the lobby every day around 5.55 waiting for this guy to come out with guacamole because it was the best. I mean, Cooper is the best guacamole in, in Dallas. And so it's just a little way that they do something that goes beyond and above and beyond to create loyal customers. Do you have any other stories uh, from your time there? Well, the, 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 oh, the, the countless stories. So yeah. One of the Thing that hit has had a big hit on, 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 uh, on empowerment was the, was the, the uh, it was uh, was just a beautiful story. The the honeymoon couple that went to Cancun, and the first day was there. He the the, the groom the honeymoon, the guy lost his ring on the beach. Now, 
the whole beach was sticking for it. The more you dig and the more you lose it. And, and of course, there was crying and, 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 and major upset. You can imagine that. Of course. And when, when the beach closed in the evening, the four beach attendants, they didn't have to ask. They went and bought four metal detectors and found the ring. Mm. Now, the, 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 the joy and tears, again, the next morning when we gave him the ring and the PR that brought, because the groom, he wrote on every newspaper and the story was everywhere. Well, that was empowerment in a, in a beautiful way, saving something. What, what would have happened normally? Let's be honest. <laughs> That's how it is. They, 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 if they would have gone to the manager, they would have been afraid to ask the manager for money. For, but if they would have asked, the manager would have said, well, won't find it anyway, but okay, buy one. And they wouldn't have found it. Mm-hmm. But they were empowered. They were told, move heaven and earth to make sure the customer feels good. So they went and bought four and they found it. Mm-hmm. So they spent $600. So what? It gave us a million dollars worth of advertising. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just beautiful stories after that. And you mentioned someone going to a manager and asking for uh, a a question or asking for permission to do that. What would you say is the difference between a manager and a leader, a true leader? Ah, okay, good, good, good question. I mean, if you if you say look at the company here, if you imagine on your left side over here, a lot of people, those are your customers, your guests, whatever you call them, and your potential customers. Over here on the right side, imagine a lot of people, those are your employees. Now, if you have a good company, you understand what your potential customer, that means your market, expects from your product. Okay. Now, if you if you you manager, make sure that the employees know what they expect. And then the manager makes sure that their processes and systems, measurements, controls, so make sure that it's delivered and created. Mm-hmm. Leadership creates an environment in which the employees want to do this. They want to do this. They feel part and want to do this. And I assure you, if you're a leader and I ask you, what do you think an employee, which employee will do a better job? The one that has to or the one that wants to? Mm-hmm. The answer is very simple. So that means we should lead to that point. And that is the, re- that is the role of a manager to create alignment. Understand? That's called alignment. And every company today talks about alignment and they don't even know what that means. Alignment is that at least the employee understands, oh, most companies don't understand what's the expectation of the customer from you. Mm. We have to understand that in order to deliver it. And then we have great processes and systems. So it is delivered. And then we measure that it's delivered all the time. But my goodness, what if they do it with caring? You see, Here's the thing. I, I, I have to finish this picture. What are loyal customers? How is loyalty created? Remember the three customers. How is loyalty created? By the product? No. By the relationship. By the relationship. No. That means the employee wants to take care of the customer. That creates better relationship. That means better, more loyal customers. Relationship is, is so important how I serve you. Here's how important it is, particularly you millennials. Fascinating, fascinating to me. The studies, there's a, the studies show. You better understand that anybody who goes in business better know that. 
studies show that the market as a whole is willing to pay more for the same product if they get good relationship, good service, good attention. They're willing to pay more. Millennials, 80% of them are willing to pay more if they get good relationship for the same product, they're willing to pay more. My goodness, pretty soon, the only customers we have are millennials. Right. Better understand that. Yeah. If, I, if I know that, that, then I better adjust my organization so I give good relationship. Hmm. But, yeah, it's amazing. And there's so many stories like that. And, and it all comes back to loyalty and building that high intent of we, we're going to be the best and we want to make our hotels the best, not just another hotel. We're not just coming to work to work. We're coming to create excellence. And you yeah. have to instill that as a leader. And so, again, excellence, I think I touched that. Excellence is never an accident. Let me emphasize that. Mm. It's always the result of high intent and hard work. Now, but let's understand that also. What's excellence in a thing? Excellence, this thing over here, this thing or anything. Excellence in a thing, if it functions well for which it was created. Anything, a cup. If it functions well for what you created, it is excellent. What about a human being? A human being picture of excellence is if you do, if you do your very best in your functioning, in your work, whatever it is you do, your very best, not perfect, your very best, but at the same time as a human being, do your very best in relationship. Here comes relationship again. And of course, do your very best morally. If you put those things together, that is a human being of excellence. <laughs> but it's the relationship that does so much in, in loyalties to customers. It's the relationship. It's not the product that creates loyalty. Of course, the product has to be right. Don't be saying. But it's the service and the relationship that creates lo loyalty and the willingness to pay more for the same product. Mm. Why wouldn't I apply that then in my business? Yeah, you'd have to be crazy not to. And and I just love the quote. I think this is going to be just the quote of this episode. Excellent is or excellence is never an accident. It is always the result of high intent and hard work. Hard work and high intent is going to get you excellence, and it's never an accident. That's right. Uh, I mean, I love that. And uh, of course, I know you have to go soon, but I want to ask you one more question before we go. Is well, the one we ask all of our leaders. We love it. It's where we get really just the golden nuggets. It's what advice would you give to your twenty-year-old self? Uh, if you look back on your career and, and everything that's happened, what advice would you give to yourself at 20 years old? Not, not well, it's, it's nothing else than I told my children, I told people I work with. It's all the same, and it is kind of, we have kind of addressed it here. It, it's do not, do not work without, do not live without purpose. Hmm. Goodness, it just kind of run around. What, what do you really, who do you really want to be as a human being? their work and so on, look down, look down the road, look down the road and see yourself 10 years from now. What do you want to see? And then let me build that as a model. That's your vision, what you see there. It's not something that you say, I can do. It's something that you wish. I, I didn't say I can make this the best hotel company in the world. I say, I, I'm going to shoot for the best hotel company. But that's what I wish. And none. So that's a model, your vision. The next is you have to commit yourself to it. 
Next is you have to initiate steps that take you in that direction. And next, focus on it. Do not allow excuses to manage you because you will find excuses in your mind why it cannot be done. You will explain, you will blame the president and everybody else why it cannot be done. Right. That's not what it is, buddy. It's <laughs> you. It's you. Yeah. You can do it. When you can think about it, you can do it. Mm. And in the moment, why do you blame? Why do you find excuses? It's your insecurity. Then you love to blame somebody else mm. because you don't want to blame yourself. Yeah. You accept that it is you. And but 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 goodness, have a wonderful dream and be sure it's full of honor and integrity and it, it's beautiful. Mm. Be also sure that it's good for all concerned. I mean, it's wonderful advice and just a good reminder to live with purpose, to commit to that purpose, initiate the steps toward it, and then focus on what your goal is and never allow excuses to hold you back from what your purpose and mission is. I love it. It's just an honor to speak with you. It's my honor. Thank you very much. And God, God bless you. All the best to you all. Thank you, Mr. Schulte. 